Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I am your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with me is that first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Josh Lindsay. Hey, Christian. It's been a long time since I've seen you. It has been actually a really long time since I've seen you. And with us is our trusty, dusty researcher extraordinaire, Jason Rugg. Hey there. Jason is a little under the weather, but he knows the show must go on, so thanks for being here, We are so thankful that you're here today. I'm trying my best. (laughs) So the last time we talked um, on the calendar-wise was back in January. So we are in almost mid-April right now, so it's been quite a while since we've seen you. It has. I, like, vanished. You disappeared. So you got to catch us up. Where have you been, Christian Taylor? Well, I feel like I should be hiding under a rock because the last time I listened to our podcast, um, like just a few days ago, and I wondered where we had left off, I realized everything I said in that last podcast, last two podcasts, were wrong. So if you listen, <laughs> if you listen to our last podcast, it was a waste of time. But this one, this podcast is going to be worth it. I just want to remind you that this is the journey of the first-time filmmaker, right? So we're on this journey, and now you're going to just, you know, get it for real. All right. And we understand, I mean, that's the whole point of it is nothing really happens as you plan or expect it or want to, right? Correct. All right. So, yeah, I mean, basically, I moved to Tennessee for my husband and my son, say two months, but it was literally six weeks. And it was just you that went down there. It was just me. I was only going there for a week. But that turned into six. Because mm. you just had so much fun. And you wanted to be part of the nightlife and the <laughs> no, country music. No, and, no, no, it was not that oh. at all. Not that at all. Um, so basically, um, the last time I saw you, uh, we had talked about, uh, well, the last episode was about helmets. And we had talked about Vinny Speranza and the beer hel- in the helmet. And that was just a super exciting story. The week before that, we talked about editing and story. And one of the things that you had asked me was, you know, how we came up with the story and how we, um, you know, decided to pick all the footage that we picked and had I watched it all and all of that. And I did admit that I didn't watch it all. Well, it's a lot of footage. <laughs> it is a lot of footage. <laughs> you know, we estimated, guessing, you know, 600 hours or whatever. Right. It felt like it for sure. <laughs> um, but in order to explain to you where I've been for the last week, I have to give you a bit of history. Okay. All right. So basically, this is the lifespan of this project. In a nutshell, 2015, I went over to Normandy. I met these wonderful people. I thought, oh my goodness, let me have them come over for Christmas. Flo came over for Christmas. We got to know each other. I thought, this might be an interesting story for me to tell. So 2016, it's ruminating. I'm doing some researching. 2017, all my voiceover work kind of dries up. And I'm thinking, hmm, well... This might be a good time to start this documentary. So I start in earnest in the beginning of 2017, realize by midsummer, if I'm going to actually do it, I needed to go do a pre-production trip. So I did that September in 2017. Come back, realize I have enough. I have access because that's super important. You have to have the content. You have to make sure that you have access to the content and then you can plot your course for telling the story. So after 2017, I realized I had a lot of people, a lot of stories. They were very excited because no one had ever come there to tell their story. Tom Hanks had come to tell the American story. Tom Brokaw had come to tell the American story. Gary Sinise had come to tell the American soldier story. 
nobody had come from America to say, I want to tell your story. So all of the French people were incredibly open to me doing that. And they gave me full access to anything I wanted, all of the museums, all of the people, all of the, you know, like towns and villages. It was incredible. So I thought, okay, I can do this. So in the beginning of 2018, I partnered with Reverse Negative Studios out of Skokie, Illinois, Terry John, Corey Lillard, and Rick Arbazani. And these guys have more experience than I have. They're good filmmakers, good storytellers. They had a lot of assets that I didn't. They had a lot of um, the film equipment, um, you know, as well as expertise, knowledge, know-how. And they could help me get situated in order to begin telling the story. So they created my branding and created the website and gave me materials with which to raise money and helped me start Hatch Fund, which was our first crowdfunding thing. And so in 2018, that's how it began. And I spent a lot of that time figuring out my story and raising money and doing fundraisers and things like that. To th- June of 2018, we went over principal photography for four weeks. We come back in July and post-production begins. So at that time, we did not have a script. And do you remember I sat on one of the podcasts? What did I say, Jason? Uh, you were still <laughs> trying nodding. to figure out what the story was? Yeah, and that, you know, one thing I said was, don't begin, <laughs> don't begin shooting without a script. Without a script, right. <laughs> or at least a serious outline. I yeah. still maintain that you need to do that. Well, I, and I, I want to interrupt you for a second because you're shooting a documentary. And, yeah. And so if it's something fictional, I mean, it makes sense to go on with the script. If it's a documentary, it, it almost feels like whatever you're filming should be informing the story as you're going along. So why? why? Great question. Okay. Great question. Well, (laughs) I don't mean you can't with a documentary write word for word what your story is. Mm -hmm. What you should do is have an idea of your story and how you're going to tell it. Mm -hmm. So I had an idea of my story, but it's a bunch of stories in one story. And it's a complicated one. And figuring out how to tell it has taken me a year and a lot of agony. Okay, so and, that's, that's what you wish you had had at the beginning. Yeah, because as I look back now, particularly looking at the footage, um, I realize had I, I mean, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Because I'm a first-time filmmaker, there was really almost no way for me to figure it out mm-hmm. now after going through six weeks of editing before I went through the editing process. But now you know for the sequel, you'll be ready. <laughs> <laughs> I have learned so, 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 so much. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just think that what I know now, like, let me give you a perfect example. All right. So there is a cast member, Flo Plana. He is uh, a Frenchman. I think I may have talked to you about him before. He goes around the United States with his savings interviewing veterans because he wants to build a museum in Normandy. And we'll talk more about him, but he has become integral to our project. I met him in March of 2018. He's been an Indian guide for me into this whole project. He's hilariously funny. He's lots of fun. He's incredibly knowledgeable. And what he does for the American veterans to me is mind-blowing. So he became this important part of our story. And I knew all of that through the principal production. And so I knew during... Um, even in March, before we did principal production, I needed to find out more about him. 
like what motivated him and, you know, why he was doing what he was doing and how. And I knew I needed to talk to him about it, but we didn't have time in March, and I was going to do it in July or June. We were too busy. I didn't end up doing that. Then I was going to do it in December. But I had hired a scriptwriter by that time, and she had written a script with ideas that I had given her. And those questions were not in any of the follow-up questions. So I never sat down to ask him those questions. Mm. So I could, I've been kicking myself since the beginning <laughs> of the edit. What were you thinking? Had I sat down with my outline and figured out the story— and made sure I understood the story I was telling, that mistake would not have happened. Well, you're, well, it's like you're doing two things at once. You're investigating the story and trying to write the story at the same time, but you're not really sure how to write it because you're still finding out more about the story as you go along. Right, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm a first-time filmmaker, <laughs> and there's just so much I but don't know. But even if you weren't a first-time filmmaker, I mean, you're going to learn new things as you're filming. yes. And interviewing people. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, as we've gone through, there were so many things that revealed themselves during the shooting Mm -hmm. that I could have never anticipated that have to be in the story. And so, yes, I would have never known that. But I do think, um, you know, one of the big mistakes I made was not having a much better idea of the story that I wanted to tell um, before I started shooting. Sure. Okay. So um, you'd mentioned the crew, reverse— Reverse negative, yes. I was going to say reverse mortgage. but (laughs) That's because you're in the mortgage business. Well, financial service. Anyway, uh, and don't ever do reverse mortgage. Anyway. uh, (laughs) A bit of financial advice from our film guy. Reverse negative. So you mentioned a few of those guys. Now, uh, the reason you went to Nashville in the first place, speaking of support staff and people working the film with you, why why Nashville? Right. So Bill Ebel, who used to um, be here in the uh, Jellyfish Lab studio, um, Bill Ebel used to work with Phil, and Phil and Creative Trust used to partner together, and they're located in Nashville, and they had brought Phil uh, Bill down there to work. So Bill is located in Nashville. But Bill and I have been partners for forever, and I knew I wanted him to edit the film. So... Huh, that's the other thing. It's just not possible to edit virtually. I mean, you know, that was like, that was I was going to ask, like, why couldn't you? Because he could edit it, you could watch it online. Um, why, why did you need to be there physically? Part of it is the nature of this beast in that there is so much footage. Bill did not, so that was another terrible thing. Bill did not come with us on principal photography. So everything is brand new to him. Everything's brand new to him. And there's just so many characters in our film. There's so much footage. He's never been to France. He doesn't know any of the places. So we may have labeled something Carenton, but he doesn't know Carenton, and some things were mislabeled. So uh, do how does he you, know? I have a question. Do either one of you, Jason or Christian, know whether it's documentaries or even um, narrative films? Is the editor part of the principal photography ever? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most of the time? Yeah. Yeah, Like, even with Bill, I mean, they flew him down when he was working on Fireproof and all these. They had him on set. And he would be doing dailies, so. Okay. Do you know what dailies are? Uh, Well, it was shot that day, and they're watching. Yeah. Yeah. So so they'll have, they'll have, editors there as they're shooting the film to cut a rough idea of the film they're shooting so that the director and producers know that they've captured right there what they're supposed to. So next time when you go to France, bring your editor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, so he wasn't there, so he didn't know anything. So that was part of it. But, you know, the editor and the director are 
in a really close relationship because the editor is not necessarily just a guy that cuts film you know, or footage. He's just, he can be, but usually that's more of an assistant editor, Yeah. right? An editor has more creative, um, should have more creative input. He, being an editor and especially a lead editor is more of an art than it is a science. Mm -hmm. There's a science part of it during the assembly edit and, but at some point his creativity should impact the project. And so the director and the editor have to be on the same page, seeing the same things and, and feeling the same things and have the same direction. And it's a lot easier to do that when you're in the same place, looking at something real time than reviewing it. We could have done it virtually, but it would have taken a lot more time. Mm. So maybe describe like, what does the editor do in terms of the creativity of it? Like, I think of, like, pacing um, or the rhythm of the film. I mean, like, what what is he bringing to the table that you aren't necessarily bringing? I'm actually going to let Jason answer <laughs> that because this is really what you're, you've been doing and you're interested in it. So why don't you answer that question? So a lot of that sort of stuff is determining, um, like, a lot of what I do is more you know, cartoons and things like that. So it's not as, uh, as don't ever downplay well, animation. It, it, yeah. it is a totally different, <laughs> it sort is of a different medium, medium. but, um, but you still know in general. Yeah. And oftentimes I have to make decisions, you know, when are we cutting and what is that going to imply? So just a really simple, like basic, you know, are we cutting to them and showing them before they start talking or after they start talking? Because that'll tell you what's really important in that scene. Mm. And so there's a lot of really nuanced little things that go into that. And we do that even when we're just doing the audio before we even figure out what we're actually going to be showing. So to have creative autonomy with someone who actually gives you autonomy, and um, that is – it's a really powerful thing. um, But it can also be a little paralyzing for someone who hasn't done something like a documentary before. Like that can be really – a difficult decision to like, okay, do we go from this part, which is kind of tangentially linked to this other part? Do we want to link those two things together? Do we not want to link those two things together? Do we want to bring that back later in the edit? There's a lot of things. There's a lot of variables. Yeah. So having two things that make sense together could also make sense further apart and make them more powerful. And so it's, it's really complex. And it is. It's super complex. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, um, it, there are many different types of editors as there are different types of people and the way they handle their workflow, the way they organize their files, the way they think creatively. Yeah. Um, and Bill and I have worked together long enough that I understand how his mind works. I understand his workflow. Uh, we have a good communication, line of communication. I trust him implicitly. He trusts me and I do give him autonomy because he's directed, he's written, um, you know, he is more than just an editor. And um, sometimes his ideas are better than mine. I've never edited, you know, so he has a much broader understanding of how when you put these two things together, um, they work or where you dip to black and give something space to breathe. Um, He just, he has a great idea of timing. Timing is super important in the emotional aspect of it. And um, it's almost like when I'm working with him, it's almost like um, a director when they direct me in voiceover. He's sort of like this, I visualize him as like this race car driver that's sitting with this really fast, high-end machine. And, you know, I... I know the road. 
I know where we're supposed to go. He knows the machine. Mm. And so we have to come together and figure it out together. To the speed. Yeah, Yeah, thanks. The speed, you know, the direction and and how we're going to work it out. All right. So summarize for us. You were down there for six weeks. What did you accomplish? Well, I am proud to say (laughs) (laughs) that we, uh, we, I walked out of there with the beginning, middle, and end of a film. I birthed a film right. when I was down there, and uh, it was m- roughly an assembly edit, a little more than assembly edit on its way to a rough cut. So what is an assembly edit? So an assembly edit is you have the scripts now, you have all of your footage, mm-hmm. um, and you then take the footage and you cut it up literally like it's laid out in the script. So you're just assembling the pieces of a puzzle. Okay. And I explain it like this. So whenever I first showed, you know, my mother, who always gets to see everything first, <laughs> whenever I showed her sort of the first version of the assembly edit, I'm like, look, Mom, I, I, I want you to think of it like this. This is a quilt, but it's not a quilt. These are patches of of fabric, and we don't know exactly which order these patches of fabric are going to go. So we don't have a quilt yet. We have fabric in the vague shape of a quilt, (laughs) and so you need to understand that these are just patches of quilt fabric lying around. We're going to put them in what we think works, and we're going to keep moving them around until we're sure it looks great. Mm -hmm. Then we'll sew those patches together. Then when we feel pretty good about that, then we'll put the batting in on the back. Then we'll add the backing. Then we'll add all the binding. And then when we're 100% sure, then we'll quilt the quilt. All right. And so, you know, that is kind of like the, the, the assembly edit is all of the squares of fabric cut out and laid out in the vague shape of a quilt. So it's all the parts on a f- timeline in so, Premiere. So what are, the, what are the, the, the major steps that need to accomplish? you need to accomplish next yeah. after the assembly edit? Well, can I go back to one thing? Actually, I think we should probably close out this episode. Well, I, I, <laughs> yes, I agree. But? <laughs> no, I, I was going to be the one to close it out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's so hard for me I, not to be the director. You gave me the instructions, and I, we got two minutes, so. <laughs> okay, so your question was? What are the next major steps to give us a teaser going forward? Okay, well, I will tell you this. We still have a lot to talk about about how I got to Tennessee and what happened while I was there. You just drove down there, right? No, I didn't. Oh. But, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, where we are now is that we've taken this assembly edit and we're making it into a rough cut. And we're doing it one act at a time. And once we have the rough cut together, there will be picture lock, hopefully at some point soon. Then we'll add score, color, sound, put a lovely bow on the top, and we'll screen it in Normandy. And when when is the bow? When is that? What date is that? (laughs) It's supposed to be May 15th. We'll see how it goes. All right. And so we are at April 11th right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! Okay. Well, great. We have uh, some more you want to talk about Nashville and then all the next steps to come. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell it. You sure can. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody.